What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the J No Knows podcast, and this is Josh Nolan. I am super pumped for you guys to listen to this one. Today we have on Josh Morin, one of my good friends, and he is the vice president of Fueled Supplements, former college wrestler, former high school standout. And what you're going to hear in this is about his crazy incredible story on how he has experienced some of the the most you know diverse things that you can experience that have led him to leading the life that he leads today so make sure to tune in and share this there are some great great words of wisdom and advice in this one so please get it out there and if uh you're looking to get your health right i know we're coming up on the new year if you got goals um look into fueled supplements they have extremely high quality um products that that will help you you know turn 2020 into the best year of your life so without further ado here's me talking to josh morin Josh, what's up, buddy? What's happening, my friend? Good morning, my friend. Good morning. How was your How was your cardio this morning? You know what? It went good. I yeah. woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just chill and 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 not do anything and just wait for the call. And I was like, dude, that would be the worst thing to do. I'm about to jump on the phone with a dude that runs a supplements company. <laughs> do, you think, do you think I need to be freaking dogging it on a Monday? On a Monday, on a Monday. Well, you did more than me. I, uh, I was, I was chilling this morning. Chilling. That's good. We, we, we have to chill. And you know, the thing about it is, if I don't get it in in the morning, there's just, you know, it's real hard to get anything of of uh, substance in. You know, with with Jordan and you know, he he's an active cat. He needs to he needs to be doing stuff. So that dad life, man. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, but yeah, yeah. got to prioritize now. That's right. Absolutely. I'm just, a, I'm just a single man living, living the life, you know? So I got all, all, I got all 24 hours of my day, you know, to devote to being selfish. Tell me about that. Like that, listen, dude, like, for real though, you're a single man running your right. business and you're living in Arizona, Arizona. Like, I mean, come on. That's hey. that's like uh, some TV show stuff right there. Right. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, it's not a bad life. 20, 26 years old, single, no kids, and uh, living the life down in Arizona. Decided, you know, obviously, Montana boy for life. That's where I'm making the call today. So shout out to Montana. I'm actually in Great Falls. And, and uh, you know, just as like. Went down there first in 2012 and wrestled for Arizona State and stayed there for a few years. And it was actually kind of crazy. To, it popped up on my uh, Snapchat uh, reminder, Snapchat stories or memories. It was like mm-hmm. two years two years ago. Um, I went back down just on like a random trip. And I was living in Bozeman, Montana, coaching wrestling in Bozeman. I went down to Arizona and met one of, one of my buddies that was living down there. And I was like, dude. I have to get back down here. I just love the atmosphere down here. It's just one of those. It's just one of those environments that I feel like there's so many entrepreneurs. It's moving and grooving. The warm weather promotes 
just such great energy within the people and that area right now man is just exploding with growth in all areas whether it be business or fitness or sports it's just one of those areas that i feel is going to be one of the top areas in the entire united states and i said what better place than being a young man with a business moving down to a place just like that that's super fitting and uh yeah made the made the 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 move a couple uh, be about a year and a half ago yeah, well july july of 2018 so that's not so a bad crazy. gig not at all man not at all i love it and, and i'm excited i want to get out there and and you have and to see what's going on too i i i've always been uh fascinated with arizona which is it's kind of random not really i guess my my grandpa played baseball at the okay. university of arizona okay and for my whole life you know i was like dude i'm gonna be a professional baseball player obviously <laughs> right like, obviously. like there's like what I, you know you got that young kid like right. this mentality like there's nobody right. gonna freaking you know shoot your dream down and i'm like dude i'm gonna be a professional baseball player and i'm gonna go to arizona i'm gonna play just like my grandpa did right and, <laughs> and it's just like nobody could tell me different and and so i've always just been you know kind of i just right. had that in my heart just kind of just like i just like arizona for whatever reason i had never even really been there except to to wrestle a few times yeah but, but um you know I, I gotta get out there it's one of those places. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so funny. I talk about it all the time to my friends, my family. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a Montana boy, and I, I had never gone to Arizona one time until I went on a recruiting trip. Mm. And, and now, you know, from the point of when I went on my recruiting trip at Arizona State, you know, I've been – it's been eight years. And it's like, man, it's, so, it's so, so crazy. I have no connections to the state. I don't have any family down there. There's no – I don't have any stories about – my grandpa being there and just, <laughs> just I went on a recruiting trip went down there and I was like man this is gonna be my home for a really really long time yeah I don't know it's kind of a crazy story you know yeah that's it's just you know I think it's funny how those those things happen in our life that are kind of unexplainable right like right that they just kind of happen and things fall into place and and you know I think that's a testament to you know taking chances and, and yep. put, putting yourself out there and and you know i think you know, I, I was racking my brain this you know ever since we kind of talked about you know having this podcast and i'm like dude there is so many things i i want to talk to you about and just, <laughs> and, and allow people to hear because i right. think your story is so so fascinating dude you're so it's just it's so diverse and so you know, just a co collective of yeah. just amazing, just, you know, kind of ridiculous stories, you know, so, <laughs> it really is, um, you know, it, uh, and so I definitely, you know, I maybe go back a little bit and you right. know, talk about what led you, you know, after Arizona State, I know you had, you know, your back issues and things like that, yeah. like, what was, you know, maybe between that period and moving to Arizona with the company and things like that like what did that time period look like oh man you know that was probably you know that that five-year time period was <laughs> just kind of like what you said man I mean but when I when I take a look back on it it's just like sometimes I can't believe that I lived and did some of the things that I did and lived but at the end of the day I'm incredibly grateful and I don't think I'd be where I'm at mentally spiritually emotionally physically 
where I am now if I never went through that. And, you know, like you said, I was down there in 2012 initially in wrestling. And then I had four back surgeries that essentially ended my career. And after that, the four back surgeries, man, you know, being a wrestler our whole lives and, you know, that's what we wanted to do. And that's all we've had. You know, we have that, that we're such result oriented human beings, especially when you're a wrestler, you know, you, you know, we're, we're driven by the accolades and we're driven by being and having the identity of being a wrestler. And once that was kind of all taken away from me, you know, I was pretty lost for a while. I didn't know quite know and understand, you know, what really life was because all we knew and all I knew for, you know, the last 15 years of my life up to that point was train, train, Mm -hmm. wrestle, train. And what else was there? You know, you kind of always like, Oh, well, I'd like to be a doctor. I'd like to be this, but yeah, you're like, the reality of that, like, man, I don't know, dude. I just gonna wrestle the rest of my life. For real, like and... that's like that's like the biggest <laughs> bullshit thing that any wrestler says. Like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to have this. Doc. No, dude, like we want to wrestle for our entire lives. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like that's like, that's really it. I'm wrestling until my legs fall off. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. Like, <laughs> and so you know, so it's like you you say you have these plans after wrestling, but it, it really doesn't hit you until that time really comes and smacks you right in the face. And, and mine came really in the form of the back surgeries. And after that, you know, I kind of went through this process where for one year I stayed down in Arizona and I was, I was doing door to door sales. I was selling, I was was selling solar, doing door to door sales, selling solar, making really good money. I was going to say, I've heard that's like that people do well doing that. Man, I'm telling you what, incredibly lucrative business. And I mean, this is, you know, this was been six years ago now. So like right, right at the brink of the solar explosion where people were still kind of on the fence about it. But the, there was all these um, government subsidies and grants and funds that were helping people get into solar. So like for the young pioneers that were just starting off, man, it was super lucrative. And we were running a small company and it was kind of like I would go, we'd have a little team that would go knock the doors, set appointments, and then we would have another guy come in. They would do like um, estimates on to how much money they would save and this and that. And, and man, it was very lucrative. You know, you, you do one or two sales a week, you know, you're making a couple thousand dollars a week. And you're and, like, you're like, hey, listen, people. The sun never stops shining. Right. This, this is a no-brainer. Right. You know, like, exactly. And it's kind of crazy because, like, you know, man, I tell you what, if you want to learn about yourself and you want to learn about sales, go knock doors. Mm. Go. Freaking, yes. I'm, <laughs> we're going to cut go. that and post that everywhere because that is so, <laughs> so, I think there's such a, a value to being able to put yourself on spot like that. Like, like, look, dude, A, it's on you. Like your, your pocket is going to get filled or be empty based on your ability to figure it out right now. Right now on the spot. I mean, there's, it, it is the highest form of sales, man. Like if you want to learn about yourself and what type of integrity that you have and the intestinal fortitude that you have in your guts, because I tell you what, there were some days I would get back into my car and say, the hell with this. I am <laughs> done with this. Yeah. <laughs> because, bro, I mean, it, you would sometimes I would knock on 500 doors in a day mm-hmm. and you, you would have people slam the door and slam the door on you. People, you know, my favorite one 
this little side story. My favorite is when people have the no soliciting sign. Yeah. And and so I'd knock on their door anyway. That was just part of the gig, you know, knock on every door. And they would people would point to the sign and I'd say, Oh, don't worry, I don't smoke. <laughs> and I would keep talking. And the crazy thing is every now and then you might you might have someone one of those people that with a no soliciting sign. But you got to take the chance. You got to take the 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 opportunity, man. And and so I did the door to door sales for a while. Learned a lot about myself, and it was kind of crazy. I was, you know, doing okay, but I I was fresh out of wrestling. I had no purpose, and I was like, man, I, I really need to find a way to get back in, involved in this sport. You know, even if I can't wrestle, you know, let's find a way to get me involved. Well, at the, t- at the time, my best friend Val Rouser. He was up in Utah and just got done. He was wrestling for UVU. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he just got hired. 21 years old, he got hired uh, at West Jordan High School and, as their head wrestling coach. Yeah. And we hop on the phone, and we're, we're BSing. And, and I go, dude, I just I said, I, I, I don't know what the heck I'm doing in my life. And he goes, dude, move to Utah. Move to Utah. And he goes, come up here, coach wrestling with me. We'll start a club. We'll, we'll do it. And I'm like, done deal, man. Gone. Yeah, literally the next week, I packed my stuff. I drove to Montana. Drove to Montana for, for the Christmas. It was like right around this time. Like like five years ago, right around this time. Drove to Montana, made a surprise trip here. And then I, I told my dad, I said, hey, I'm going to take a flight back to Arizona. And then I drove um moved my entire life up to Orem, Utah on the 29th of December, five years ago. Wow. And wow. Was, li- was living on Jade Rouser's couch and Trevor, Trevor Wilson and uh, Val, they were all living in this little apartment. I was living on their couch for six months. And I just, we, we coach wrestling, two 21-year-old dudes from Montana coaching at 5A high school, looking like the students. So they would, they're all, <laughs> all, I yeah, mean, like, especially you guys, I mean, especially back then. Like, oh, man. Val and Jade still look like oh, they're <laughs> about 12. So for back sure. then, I could only even, even imagine. Yeah, Val just started growing facial hair, like, uh, patchy, you know? So, like... <laughs> So back then, I, all the time we'd be walking in the hallway, and they'd be like, yeah, uh, "Son, we we need to have you take your hat off." And I'm like, "I'm a coach here with the badge, you know. Check the badge out. I got the credentials." And <laughs> that's but, great. So we so we coach we coached the wrestling there for a year, and we we had the uh, um, it was when we went, got to the program, they were they were last out of like thirty some teams. They were last for like the last three years and West Jordan used to be super tough. They've had some hammers that have gone and won Fargo. They got some guys that went D one, but after kind of that, they had a head coach that uh, left and the program just really fell. Mm. And so we were kind of taking over a program that had 70% of the kids that were wrestling were first year. Yes. <laughs> oh, and I tell you what, man, from going from never coaching before to coaching before to, to coaching <laughs> and, coaching first year wrestlers in the state of Utah and us being two crazy psycho Montana boys, we learned a lot about ourselves that year. And, yeah. uh, you know, we also learned a lot about humility because we, you know, just to be honest, we, you know, I know for sure Val didn't lose a lot growing up. I didn't, learn, <laughs> I didn't lose a lot. I was part of a really successful high school wrestling team. So in high school we dominated everybody and, 
you know, going and, and being part of a program that makes you just humble time and time and time again from getting your butt kicked. Oh, man. But it was really cool to see the, the most gratifying thing of all of it was to go from the first beginning of the year to the end of the year and, and watching those kids get instilled a belief in them that they've never had before in their entire life from mm. any outside source. Yes. And yeah. you watch. That's, you, that's a, yeah, that gives me chills just thinking about it because it's, you know, it's such, right. a, it's such an amazing thing to see. It just like watching a young human being, I mean, expect, just watching these kids go from literally going out there, getting pinned in the first 40 seconds of the match to the end of the year, they would go an entire match and only get beat by points. Yeah. Like, yeah. And in, in, in the world of wrestling, that is in such a huge difference. And, 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 and to me, that was a, those were, we had to learn that it wasn't always about getting the hand raised at the end of the match. It was about those little, those little wins that those kids were having because that to them, that was a win. That was, that was, a, that was a huge win. Whereas us is like, you know, we're used to going out there and getting a pin, teching kids, putting, you know, being state champs. You know, this kid went out first, first match of the season with his tail between his legs, get pinned in 40 seconds. And now, and now we're in a five or six point match at the end of the year. Yeah, that's yeah. some that's some gap that we closed in a matter of four months. Yeah, and I I mean I I, I had a realization. Somebody told me one. I, I can't remember exactly who told me it, but when they were talking about and it's just about growing the sport of wrestling and 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 being a person that that is is actually you know doing their part. And when you're coaching, right. and you know you might not coach these kids that you know that never wrestled they might not win a state title they might not have a winning right. season but if if you instill these values if you instill and they they understand the value that wrestling and and the mentorship that that you guys provided them guess what like down the road now their kids are going to wrestle their kids are yep. going to uh, be involved they're going to be involved in now you just you just change the course of a, of a family's life yes. that, and, and got them involved in wrestling. And that's, you know, thinking really, really long-term about the sport of wrestling right? And, and, and creating, you know, lifelong fans and lifelong involvement. And that's, yes. you know, that's what our sport needs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, and that's how we, he started to look at it. Cause you know, at, at the end of the day, let's, let's be honest, you know, to become a, even a, a national champion at any, any level or a world team member, Olympic champion, you're part of a very, very small group. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and w- so when you're, when you're coaching and the, the, the general public, let's say of the wrestling, the, the, just, just wrestling as a whole, you know, there's gotta be a greater, you know, obviously those, that's what you always like, you know, we're building here to be national champions, state champions, you know, world team members. But at the end of the day, when you take a look at the numbers, there might be one kid out of your program in five years that does that. Yeah. And to grow, like you're saying, to grow the sport, there's got to be more to it than that. And that's not what really became apparent in our eyes. And, and the mud was kind of cleared to be like, man, you know, this wrestling has a greater purpose. You know, it's not always about winning the, the, the accolades and the state titles. It's about growing the sport of wrestling now that the, the, the trajectory of this kid's life has been absolutely changed now because he participated in a sport that, that 
I know for a fact that not a lot of kids would want to go through in high school because it's easy to not wrestle. Yeah. It's really hard to wrestle. And to be able to have that now, that confidence instilled in you, just to even go through the practices and to, you know, to learn to learn everything that's involved in wrestling, that's going to carry on, like you said, later in life. And now that kid, now that when they have a kid, they're going to wrestle. Yep. And yep. That's how that's how the sport grows, and we need more of that because at the end of the day, there's not gonna not everybody's gonna be national, world, and Olympic champions. It's just not how it works. Yep. But everybody can wrestle, and everybody can create some sort of value into their lives with the sport of wrestling, and that was really something that just became so apparent when we were in Utah, man. And like there was there was days we'd get in the car and we would just be just ah. Uh, defeated but mm-hmm. then we, we would drive home and we'd start talking about some things and i was like man you know i'm actually really really grateful to be on this side and have this perspective now of wrestling and to really understand it from this point of view because we spent majority of our entire lives on the other side winning that's all we did is win 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 and there's you know you, you you're you're on that side and you kind of get blinded by the real purpose of the, actually what the sport does and when you start to work with these kids that are never going to be a state champion, that are never going to be a national champion, but they came and they lost. Four, we had a kid that lost, I think, 50 pounds in the season. Wow. He, he was like part of the band, like never wrestled before in his life. And, you know, we had over half the team quit. And this kid's, this kid's, I for sure thought he was going to quit second week, but I don't know, for something inside of him, he gutted it out. And that's what I'm saying is that, there's there's gonna be some kids that just maybe never win an important match but to me it wasn't about that because it was really cool to see a kid lose 50 pounds to stay the course to commit to something for the four or five months that it is and do something that he's never done that is incredibly hard because that later in life I know for a fact in my life all the crazy hard stuff that's happened in my life I always resort back to saying man I've been through this already. I've been through the trenches. I've been through the wars and the wrestling room, the weight cuts, the tournaments, the hard stuff. And now this is just life. Life's easy. It's just like the Dan Gable quote. You know, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. And it's like, man, that's some, that's, that's heavy. That's, that's, it's true. And, but you don't realize that until you've been removed from the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, yeah, it, it's such a cool, you know, a cool thing to see, like, like literally, you know, changing people's lives and giving right. them the tools that, that are within them. Like they obviously have it within them. And then all you're doing is, is exposing how to utilize these things yes. and giving them an opportunity to, to really reach down and, and figure out, you know, how strong they actually are and how right. they actually are, you know, cause like you said, man, like these things that that wrestling is able to bring out of people you know it 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 creates ceos it creates presidents creates entrepreneurs it creates you know people you know teachers like people that are 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 ultimately very valuable to our society that you know maybe without wrestling they're you know they're just you know chilling working at the local grocery store and and right calling it good you know right absolutely i mean that that right there is everything. You know, you take a guy that 
join joins wrestling and might might be scared of their own shadow and then all of a sudden by the end of the year they got that belief instilled in them that's like man i can do anything yeah and yeah it's almost like, it's just like you can't man you or girl you, you guys it's it's unbelievable and it's really cool to be in the position as a coach to be able to see that hidden potential in in all of, all of wrestlers and all of kids that want to wrestle and see them discover that themselves because that's all it is 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 us us promoting that and, and kind of just being the the doorway to them being able to see the light in themselves that says man whew, I really got a lot in me I really have I have some power inside of me I just gotta mm-hmm. believe man and I just gotta dig down and find it and, but it's there in all of us but some some of us have to dig harder some of us have been exposed and and our environments have promoted it within our lives where, you know, we've had, you know, great parents where they've, they've instilled that, but some people don't have that. And all of a sudden they, they find a coach and a mentor and they look at us and they, you know, all of a sudden they start to learn from us and they're like, man, this guy's not too wrong. He's pretty right. Yeah. They start to see that within themselves. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're like, man, good for you, man, or girl or whoever it is. It's like, wow, it's, that's one of the most gratifying things of coaching. And that's what keeps, I mean, I know you're more on that aspect over the last five years, five, six years than me. And, but, and that's just, I mean, it's such a beautiful part of, of the sport of wrestling is to see kids start to really believe in themselves. And it's just a beautiful thing, man. Beautiful it, thing. It really is, man. And uh, I can't, yeah, I, yeah, I could, I could talk on this subject forever because I, right. I truly, and it, you know, like, like you said, like, I wasn't always like that. Like, uh, you know, especially in my own career, like I yes. cared a lot about winning and, and probably to a fault at some points, you know, like yes. it probably was detrimental because my mindset was so fixed on, on outcomes rather than, yes. you know, the process maybe. And yep. but now looking at it, you know, having coached for, for a long time now in, I'm, I'm so much more uh, involved in wanting to find ways to, to reach more kids. You know, it's not, yes. it's not always just cut and dry. Like this is the way that I do things. Like it literally for me has, has changed, you know, month to month, week to week, year to right. year. Like <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's a very, very fluid thing that, that you just gotta be able to, to, you know, set your ego aside absolutely and, and reach out to all these different kids you know i'm i'm to the point you know like i get i get fired up you know i'm right now i'm coaching a lot of kids that are in in their first year wrestling and they're yep. younger and i get fired up you know these kids hit hit a good double leg and lift the kid off the mat and put him <laughs> down and i'm like i'm like fired up at practice i'm like yes like let's go and they're like what the right heck? right but i'm just fired up because i see they're you know from point A where they don't even have a stance yes. to a month later, they're hitting blast doubles and, and lifting kids off the mat. And I'm like, let's go. Like, this is right. You know, we haven't even stepped on, on, on a competition mat, but I'm sitting there right. I'm fired up. Cause I don't care about the competition. That really means very little to me at this point. I want to see yes. them, you know, just continue to get better every single day. And, yes. and so that kind of stuff just fires me up. And, you know, I think absolutely. You know, it's, and it, it's valuable if you're a coach 
and and you want to test yourself and and see kind of what you're made of go grab go grab the the youngest group in in the room go grab you know your jv wrestlers or your your uh you know your bantams and your, your kids wrestling yep. and and go teach them and go you know sit in a room where their minds are gonna give you about 30 seconds of attention yep. <laughs> and see see what you can do because it's it's a gratifying, frustrating, hard, beautiful thing. Absolutely, no. Just the, just that that was that was the greatest thing about coaching there was to have to step back and to be in that position and and tr- truthfully, it was it was hilarious. We we're Val and I were driving to Montana. We were talking about it because we drove through the old stomping grounds there in salt lake and <laughs> i said man remember when we were teaching technique back in <laughs> when we were 21 sometimes sometimes we'd be in the middle of a move and not be able to articulate it much because we just knew how to do it we just yeah. knew how to hit we just are and so I, I i remember on multiple occasions val and i being like you just gotta do it like this it's just like <laughs> this it's just like this but then you're like man how can i how can I connect my mind and my words to my body to be able to articulate this in a way that's simple to them? But it was hard, man. It's really hard because we're just in training mode. You know, we just had, you know, hit reps and hit reps and hit reps our entire lives. And, right. you know, we, we, we know how to hit a knee over toe into a double leg or, you know, outside single or, you know, we know. But take a guy who's never done it. It's like it's like um, it's like uh, teaching a foreign language. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, like to your body. You're like what? Like, not everybody's body moves like this. But then you forget that we've also done it thousands and thousands of times to be able to have that fluidity in our movements. And it'd just be like me going and trying to skate or something. I've never skated in my entire life. I'm sure it would be pretty rough, right? Know, getting getting started. So, and then you start to to realize those things and. And you start to be able to break it down and articulate it a little bit better. And, and over the last five or six years, you know, our, our articulation has increased tenfold. And it's, it's a still ever-growing process. But, you know, it was really cool to be able to st- start to see that connection with, with the wrestling. So, but yeah, man, that's, that's uh, kind of Utah. And, and, and I had this <laughs> – during living there, I actually uh, met this girl – and she was from the Midwest, and actually, I moved her out to Utah. And uh, after that, she we had decided that we were gonna move. Well, temporarily for a few months, we moved to home to Montana. And we we gave I gave up the wrestling. Things just kind of fell through with the wrestling there. Val was gonna end up going back to Montana to start coaching um, in Bozeman. And, uh, you know, the long, the long-term vision in West Jordan wasn't quite where we wanted it to be. It was a real long process and both of us were just super young in our lives. And, um, I got this girlfriend and after a few months spent in Montana, I moved to Hawaii. (laughs) I was in, I was in Kauai, um, living in a renovated tour, Hawaiian tour bus on a, um, a meditation facility. We were building a meditation facility with these two ex monks, and <laughs> <laughs> and if that's not a mouthful <laughs> trip in itself, man, I don't know what it is. But you know, I I look back. I had I pretty much I I grew my hair out. I had a huge beard. I was barefoot and crazy, wild, free spirited, and uh, I didn't care about anything, man. I lived out of a backpack. My life was downsized into essentially. 
a backpack and I lived that hippie lifestyle. I lived, I was really removed from, from wrestling at this time. And I was really removed from even from like working out. And all I did was, was backpack and that was it. That was it. Backpack, meditate, and just live a free spirited wild life. And, uh, I was in Kauai for a while with her and, it was a great, it was a great experience. It was, it was awesome to be there. It was, it was good to, to get out of your comfort zone. Everybody talks about that. Like, man, you know, I just want to be, I just want to live like a hippie. I don't want to have any worries about money or jobs or anything like that. I'm like, do it. It's there. It's possible. Yeah. If I've always, that's the one thing that I can say, I think about since, you know, we kind of started about, you know, from when I left Arizona to now is that I've really, whenever I had an urge or a sense of something inside of my heart and soul to do it, I just did it. I just followed it. And regardless of what, you know, not everything that I did in my life that my parents agree with, or my dad agree with, or my family. I mean, I had a lot of family very concerned about me and how I was living and what I was doing. (laughs) And I was concerned about myself at times. And, but I truly believe that sometimes in life and not everybody has to do this, but I think some sort of way, but sometimes in life you have to lose yourself to find yourself eventually. And I I took five years and went on a journey and was like, man, you know, for 15 to 17 years, all I did was train, wrestle and repeat. And I I decided to go a different route and say, all right, well, who am I? And I spent an insane amount of time up in the mountains by myself insane amount of time backpacking in nature and getting getting to the root and the core of who I really was as a human being besides being a wrestler and I I I lived in Kauai and I ended up deciding man like you know things were just not working out between my girlfriend and I so I moved back home to Montana so I moved back home to Montana this is where it gets kind of crazy I moved back home to Montana I was living in my dad's basement. You said this is where it gets <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just lived a, uh, in Hawaii out of a backpack. But this is really where it gets crazy. Here we go, man. I mean, you know, Kauai was crazy. You know, it it was it's a trip. You know, people are like, oh man, I'd love to live in Hawaii. I'm like, do it, dude. It's there. It's a place. You know, I'm like, pack your bag and pack your bag and go, bro. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just, yep. I'm just one of those people where it's like, you know, if you tell me you want to do something, I'm literally just going to be like, oh, we'll do it, man. Like, <laughs> you, can't, yeah. you can't sit here and say you want to do something and be like, oh, I wish and wish and wish. You just have to do it. Take the leap of faith and do it. And, of course, there's a lot of, I mean, I could go on for hours and hours about stories on Kauai, and I don't know if they're appropriate or inappropriate for this podcast or not, but <laughs> you will save those for another time. I'll have you on my yeah. podcast on the Mogul Mission some at some point, there we go. and uh, we'll chat about that. But you know, once I once we I moved back home from Montana from Kauai to Montana, I was back living in my dad's basement, and I I was backpacking every weekend. I would go in the mountains every single weekend. <laughs> And I bought a Canon. I bought this camera and I, I started taking photos of my journey. I started to, to record. I, I bought two cameras and I started to record everything, the, kind of vlogging everything. And my buddies I would go with, I told them, I said, I said, I'm going to have, I'm going to film and shoot one day and, or be associated with national geographic or the discovery channel or something. This is what I want to do. I want to backpack the world 
I want to document it. I want to go to these crazy places. And I just, I, and this is what I want to do. This is what I love to do. This is what I want to do. And I, I bought these cameras and I started to like visualize me working. This is where, this is so crazy, man. I started visualizing me working with these companies and I kept telling myself and I kept, kept saying, yo, my, my content's going to be part of national geographic you know it's not the greatest right now but trust me i'm going to continue to learn photography so i learned photography my buddy who was a, a cinematographer photographer here in great falls we got connected and i started working with him and he started showing me the ropes of how to work things and go behind a camera and like all this crazy stuff and then one day i got a phone call i got a phone call and, and the phone call says hey this is will Kalick from pilgrim studios i'm the casting one of the casting directors for an up-and-coming tv show Give me a call back. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And I got another message from one of my really good friends, Sammy Listo, out in California. He goes, hey, brother, I can't tell you a whole lot of details, but I just got done with an interview for a TV show that's going to be on the Discovery Channel. And they asked me some names of referrals, and I gave them yours. They're going to be giving you a call. I'm like, wow. I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, what's, what's all, the, what's, what's going on here? So anyway, I ended up getting this call. I'm starting to, I talked to this casting director from uh, Pilgrim Studio who runs. They do like all, they did the, the seasons of uh, Amazing Race. They did the, the, uh, the, all the UFC, all the, the UFC shows. I mean, they've done it all. They're pretty, they're big, mm -hmm. big company. So I, I'm chatting with this guy on the phone and he goes, yeah, he goes, so we just we just had a, me a meeting with your friend Sammy Listo, and the crazy part about my friend Sammy is that I up until this point, Sammy's a kid from Montana. He's from my hometown, Great Falls, Montana, and I had never met him in person before. But I, mm. at the time, was running a humanitarian based company called Conscious Connections that we were doing like um, all sorts of crazy stuff. We would do like beach cleanups and we would, we'd run these humanitarian, humanitarian projects. And that's what I was doing for like a little side gig um, at the time. And he was just part of my, I call it the conscious crew. And he was part of my conscious crew. We'd have these, these uh, online meetings and we, we would do um, these group talks and these conscious talks online. And he was part of the crew, but I'd never met this man in person. And, he, we just became really good friends through social media. He, he went and had an interview. And after the interview, I mean, this kid is, I mean, much better looking than I am. Much <laughs> more, he's a singer songwriter and he's, he's, he's smooth with his words. He's way more, he's, 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 he's way more articulate than I am. He's got everything going for him. He's got the look. He's got the, the voice. He's got everything great for TV. And he's telling him he's, he's, getting interviewed for this discovery channel show. That's a survival show. And they go, man, we absolutely love you, but we just don't think that you're the right fit for us. And he goes, we, we just, we just don't feel that you're the guy. And, and I don't know what it was in his heart. They said, Hey, is there anybody that you would recommend? And like I said, I've never met this guy in person. He goes, well, my, my buddy, Josh Morton, he's a crazy son of a gun. So give, let's give him a call. He'd be the perfect, perfect guy for you. So they give me a call. I went through this casting process of, I believe it was four months of casting. And from the moment that they, I first had my call, I, I, there was something deep down in me that I already knew that I was going to do it. I knew it. 
I'd been talking right. about it. I'd, <clears throat> I'd already manifested it. And I was just living mm-hmm. out the story that I'd already created in my mind. And this is where I truly feel that, that the whole, you, you know, if you can see it in your mind, you can manifest it, manifest it in your hand. I've, I hold it in your hand. I've, I, I've, I read the law of attraction when I was like 18 years old, but this is years later. And I didn't really, really understand it all until this was happening to me. And so I went through this process. I ended up going out two or three times to um, California and there was 30,000 applicants that applied to the TV show. Oh. And from the get go, I was just like, I'm in. I already knew. <laughs> yeah. I just knew. When when you know you know, there's a yep. there's a sense of there's a sense of being within us that you don't have to explain. There's no justifying. You just know. There's just an, it's a mm-hmm. no it's a knowing state of being. And I was just there. I said I'm in. So and anyway, long story short, man, the the show is called the the wheel. It was on the Discovery Channel, and the and essentially what they did was is they there were six of us. They sent us down to South America. Um, and South America was split up in a wheel shape, essentially. So the, there was three locations on the top half and three locations the bottom half, which were located in Patagonia. The bottom half was all shot in Patagonia, and the top half was shot in Brazil and the Amazon. Um, and so we went, we were six of us. We go down there and, you know, me being a loudmouth from Montana, I'm like, I'm the toughest dude on this show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> First off, I'm from Montana, so that automatically qualifies me to be the toughest person in the world. Secondly, <laughs> second, secondly, secondly, I'm a wrestler, and so you put those two together, and my ego was so big I could barely walk through the door, you know. So I was like, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I've been living this crazy hippie lifestyle now for the last four years or three years or whatever it was at the time. I said, I'm, I'm gonna crush this show. And I said, I'm going to, they're like, well, how are you going to handle, how are you going to handle not eating? And I'm like, dude, I've been not eating my entire life, bro. Yeah, welcome to my life. Like, like get on my level, you know? And I was like, all right. So before I went on the show, I did all this research about fasting and how, how long the human body can starve and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I got a pretty good sense of this. So I go, I go down to, um, to South America and the first thing that they do so first off when they sent me down there it was august here so the the months are different so or the the seasons are different right so, you know august down there is winter so when, when i went down there midwinter and when i was doing all the casting and stuff in la i mean it was like 110 degrees in la for all the times i would go out to la and your body i mean i know this for a fact now especially living in arizona dude, your body gets acclimated to that weather Right, as the adaptation machine. Yes, absolutely. Your 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 body is such a. It just is gonna morph into whatever environment that you're in, and so I go down there, and I'm this I'm this loudmouth. So there's these there's six locations. There's a mountainous region, region, the frozen tundra. There's this uh, there's an island, um, two places in the Amazon, and then like a kind of a desert area, and essentially they they all they put us into one of six of those locations and i didn't know this at the time but you would stay in the location and it you it'd be the wheel and the wheel was turned and you would switch locations by the moon cycle which 
I don't really know if that was a real thing or not, or if just a TV thing or not. But I, I, so you never knew how long you were going to be. You're by yourself. There was a one. There was one stationary camera guy that would film, and that was it, man. That was it. And every every they they give you one. They give you one uh, backpack full of survival gear, which was they give you three days worth of food rations. They give you like some fishing line. Uh, they give you a, like a, uh, a, a sleeping bag. They get, they gave, they gave me like an extra, one extra jacket, just so b- the bare necessities really of, of, of like, if you were out in the mountains and you, we were to drop you off, this is what you have with you. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, Hey, you're by yourself. They, they, I've, I would do self shot. So essentially what they would have me do is carry around a camera the whole time, document myself, set the camera up. I would describe what I was doing and move forth and move onward. Well, the very first thing that they did is they taught, they tossed me into the freaking mountainous region and it was like 10 degrees out. And, and they, we're, we're in Bart, we're in, we're in uh, Patagonia and it's 10 degrees out. And I'm like, Whoa. And the first two hours of being there they drop me off the they take me in a helicopter they fly me to the top of this really crazy mountainous peak there's like 15 feet of snow up there they drop me off and they say go and i'm like what go like okay it took me three hours to traverse down the mountain and then there's a survival zone that you must stay in so i i I go in the survival zone and i'm in this zone man and you, there's, they don't give you direction. They don't tell you what you to say. They don't tell you what to do. They just say, "Hey, survive." And then when it's time to when it's time to change locations, you're gonna have, your beaker is gonna go off, and you're gonna you're gonna have to get removed into the next location. All I can say is that I made every single mistake absolutely possible <laughs> that a survival quote unquote expert can make. And his first, I got my boots soaking wet in ten degrees. I mean, I mean, full on up to my up to my knees, soaking wet in the first two hours of being there. <laughs> and that in itself, I mean, that's a I mean, if I was out out by myself, I mean, that's a recipe to get to die. Sure. And, and you know, I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, like, is it really I really had I mean, I was fighting some adversity and um, and that first night I ended up it was it was sleeting so i wasn't really able able to like start a fire they gave you a flint striker and i wasn't really even able to start a fire and that first night because of all the mistakes that i made i slept on the ground which was like a no-no like absolute no-no when it's freaking 10 degrees outside slept slept on the ground in my sleeping bag and i remember waking up that next morning with like a quarter inch of frost on my sleeping bag and like I didn't really I didn't know this but like when when you're cold at nighttime when you're like shivering in, in your sleep when you do that your intestine like when you do that when you shiver it creates creates nausea nausea in your intestines mm. so when so when you wake up the next day I was just incredibly nauseous <laughs> and and every single day I would go to sleep every night I go to sleep and in the morning I'd wake up just like sick because when you shiver in your sleep, it, it creates <laughs> nausea. So I woke up that next day 
and I was like, man, I really have to fight. This is I'm I got my back against the wall. I got to I got to be much more calculated in my approach. So, so yeah, long story short, man. I mean, I could go on for hours with the show, but long story short, I was there for three weeks. I was in three different locations: the mountainous region. Right after the mountainous region, the craziest thing about the mountainous region was I kept the fire going for eight days straight. I didn't let that bad boy go out because the second day I lost my flint striker. Took me a whole whole day to find my flint striker. <laughs> found my flint striker, and then once I found it, I kept the fire going for eight days in a row. Didn't let it go out one time, and um, that was that in itself. I've never done that in my entire life, and. Um, after they after that, I'm like, all right, they're 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 loading me up, they're getting ready to go to the next location, and I'm like, oh baby, put me on a freaking tropical island with some beautiful women and a butt light, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> after just freezing freezing my butt off for you know for eight eight nine days, I'm I'm like, put me somewhere warm. Well, the second location they tossed me into is a frozen tundra. Of course, of course. You know, I'm like, dude, so. They threw me in the frozen tundra. I was in the frozen tundra for a week. And then after the frozen tundra, they, um, I went to this island called Inya. And uh, the, the island is called the Island of Hope and Despair. This is what the, this is what the first settlers called it because it's, a, it's right off the, the – you once you travel there, what happens is, is it looks like this tropical island at some parts of the day. But it gets weather and trade winds from the Arctic. So – <laughs> all of a sudden it, i mean it'll it'll rain four or five inches in a day but it's cold rain it's not anything tropic at all and so i'm on this island and i'm on an island and i'm surrounded by ocean water and i could not find the water I couldn't find the water i couldn't the, the natural water and and of course you can't drink you can't drink ocean water and so and so right. i go well I spent four days on this island. I couldn't find the natural spring source. I was trying to figure out where is this natural. Everywhere else, there was a river. The first two locations, there was two rivers. So the water finding the river, the water was easy. And so when I was when I was on the island, I go, man, I go, I'm, this one's a riddle. There's going to have to be a spring somewhere. I'm going to have to find the spring. Um, and, it's, and I'm just going to have I'm just going to have to keep looking. So four days up in this point, man, like. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and can't find the water, can't find the water, can't find the water. Well, every every couple of days they do med checks, and I was having I was having problems with my um, my blood sugar. My blood sugar was dropping down into the into the twenties, and I was starting to pass out. I was starting to pass out, like just like just start to, to faint all the time. And they're like they're like, hey yeah. man, like you're this is it. Like if you don't find the water. We're gonna have to stand end this show because of your health, and I'm like, yeah, what the hell with that. So I'm looking, I'm looking, and at this point, man, you know, I'm 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 three weeks into this bad boy, and I, all my rations are essentially essentially what I thought I could do, Josh, as I thought I could take three days worth of food rations, ration it out over forty days, and then start starve <laughs> and then starve the the rest of the twenty. I don't know. That's the craziest thing. Ever. So I thought I could do this because I was looking up religions doing fasting for thirty to sixty days. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, dude, this guy, this guy didn't eat anything besides water for sixty days. I can do this. I'm freaking Gandhi, you know, like whatever. I, I, I can do this. You know? Like whatever. I'm from Montana. 
and right and so i didn't i don't find the water and come to find out the water was in a spring that flowed out into like essentially like the outer banks of the island into these rocks but it looked like it was high tide water it didn't look like it it just looked like high tide water so i had no clue i ended up ended up four days in the doctors came in and they said hey man if you don't find the water today you know, that's it. I walked down to the beach. I set up my camera. I started talking about life. I, I'm, I, I, I talked. It was right after Jordan Burroughs had lost the Olympics. And after, in, that was 2016, right? Or, or yeah, 2016. Yeah. I'm a huge yep. Jordan Burroughs fan. And, I was, and he was talking about, you know, how sometimes the, the, the biggest losses of your life are the biggest wins. And. I, and I was Amen. like, man, I, I was sitting there. I just started talking about that. And I go, man, this, a lot of people look at this as the biggest loss of my life. I said, I'm going to look at this as the biggest win of my life. I said, I'm going to call it good. I'm going to go back to my family. And at that point I, I was, you know, three weeks into it. I'd lost, th- I lost 30 pounds in three weeks and I start, I'd starved myself <laughs> for 16 days. Holy smokes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I, I was, it was it. I mean, I, and I tell you what, talk about a freaking spiritual experience is if you want to ever learn more about and people, I, I talk about going out in the mountains and finding out about yourself. If you want to learn something about yourself, desolate yourself, be completely alone, away from TV, away from your phones, away from society and starve yourself and freeze. You'll, <laughs> you'll, I promise you, you'll, you'll start to have an in some some uh conversations with god or however your source or universe or whatever you want to call it man you you will talk to somebody you will have you will have some sort of connection and uh i tell you what man i'm incredibly grateful for those three weeks out in patagonia and i came back home and not a lot of people really understood you know what i would went through i didn't because i couldn't really talk a whole lot about it the show the show came sure. out a few months later and I don't think the show was a very great I, – I, it was a great show, but I don't think it was a true depiction of, like, what I actually went through. Because there were six people. They got to fit that within a 30-minute time slot, which is only 22 minutes on TV. And so there's a lot of stuff that wasn't shown that I really feel that was missed out on my journey. But at the end of the day, I know what I went through, and I know what, what I had to do when I was out there. And that is all that matters to me. Right. And I, I mean, that right there is that's such a that's such a great thing for people to understand, too, is is look, man, we're all living these these lives. And, and yeah, through social media, people can put whatever they want right out there. Right. And we can you know, look like we're living these you know amazing lives, but nobody actually knows exactly what you're going through nope. on the day to day. And 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 don't feel like you have to have everybody understand that thing because because at the end of the day right. it doesn't matter if you're good with who you are and what you are doing then at like then you don't have anything nope. to prove to anybody else like they, they, you don't have you know it doesn't matter what john or jill or right. whoever is saying about you or thinking about you what matters is what are you saying about you what are yes. you um, you know, going to sleep at night, thinking about what are you, uh, you know, going through your day working right. for not, you know, not necessarily all the things that, 
you know, people want to say about you or people want to think about you or, or whatever it might be. Right. You know, that's, that's so valuable just to have that inner peace and know that, you know, your, your, your experiences and everything that you've done through your life are creating the, the human that you are and that you want to be. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I think that's, that's so valuable and it's, and it's a hard lesson <laughs> to learn and, and it, you know, even, even, you know, you know, nowadays with, you know, like I said, with the social media and with everything being kind of broadcasted pretty loudly right. to everybody, it, 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 we have to be able to take that time for ourselves and really look in and see like, dude, who right. am I? What do I want from, you know, my my life what do i want people you know to to you know to feel when they're around me or or after i'm gone you know i i i've talked about this before and it's 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 kind of morbid but at the same time i think it's kind of absolutely like when i when i when i die like i want to be able to fill up a freaking stadium Right. Not because not because people are there because I was this famous person or because they want to be a part of, you know, whatever hoopla that it is. I want to fill the stadium with people that I positively impacted. Absolutely. And 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 that's you know, that's a, a mindset that, that I've adapted and, and put into my daily, you know, thoughts because if if I'm out there trying my hardest to, to have positive impacts on, on everybody that I come into contact with, then at the end of the day, I can, I can go to sleep soundly knowing that, that I'm doing my best. And, you know, it, it, some days it looks better than it, right. uh, other, <laughs> but, but um, you know, it, as long as that's my main goal and my main values, then I think that, you know, I think I'm doing a, a pretty good job, you know? Absolutely. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think that what, what I take away from that is, is that self, the key to life is essentially truly self-awareness and understanding where you are, where you stand and what your mission and purpose is. And then from there, once you, once you get a grasp of that, I mean, obviously it's a daily ebb and flow of, of, of trying to figure it out still nobody ever has it figured out but when when you're continually working towards that and you have that that mission and that mindset you know you just it's just a, it's just a daily act of, of of saying hey this is my purpose in life i'm going to act towards this purpose and each and every day there's going to be adjustments made but at the end of it my life is just simply going to be an accumulation of all these things that i've done daily Simply because when you go to the root of it, it's because, hey, I found out who I am and what makes me tick. And I'm just simply living to that tune. I'm simply yeah. I'm just simply that person, not anybody else. I don't have to answer or justify or to call to anybody else, because like you're saying, you know, with social media, I mean, I, and I have it all the time you know, on social media, man, my life is a highlight reel. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, essentially sure. that's what it is, you know, and, and that's why I try to share a lot of the journey that hasn't been so great. You know, I've had, I've had, I've battled with addiction and I, I'm sober now for nine months and that's a whole nother crazy, crazy story. But there's parts of me that a lot of people don't know that have been hidden. And even my family sometimes don't know what I've gone through, but there's a select few people who have, 
And it's not about who knows or who doesn't know. It's who you know, what you know at the end of the day inside your own heart and the battles that you've had to go through on the daily to get to where that you are that have shaped you into the man or woman that you are. And that that right there is everything. That self-awareness to figure out, man, okay, maybe I've been through some stuff. Maybe I've had maybe I've faced some adversity. You know, maybe I've gone through a couple crazy breakups. Maybe I've maybe I I've had some people say some things that I didn't like. You know, maybe I've gone through a divorce or or had drug addiction or whatever whatever it is. It's that what's on the other side of that. There's got to be a light. Now you can continue to let that stuff beat you down for the rest of your life, or you can find greater purpose. And however find however you find your purpose, that that is in itself to me the the essence of life, man. Is yes. Who who, know, who knows why we're here? Essentially, I mean, we could get in a crazy conversation about <laughs> you know why the hell we have a we have cars and people and jobs and all this crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, before getting our minds wrapped in the, into the whole crazy trip of life is i just tell people hey i don't really know and none of us really know but at the end of the day i'm just gonna do what i can to number one live out my purpose and by doing that i want to help others find that same drive that same focus and that same fire that i have about life that zest about life to do their that in their own way and their own story and what their journey is Dude, boom. That's, I mean, right there. That's it, man. I, that's, yeah, so valuable. And, and yeah, I think if, if you're doing that and if you're helping other people do it, you know, we're, we're doing our part to, to help this, you know, this beautiful world, this beautiful life of ours right. become better. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a very, very noble and, and gratifying thing. So, Man, I, I, yeah, I think you know, <laughs> I, I love talking to you, Josh, because you know, right, we, right. we get into you know a lot of this, <laughs> these things, and it's just you know I think your story is, is so awesome, and you know we we didn't even talk about fueled. Maybe that's an, another time, but absolutely, you know, I think that yes, you know, right, right there, that that was you know an amazing story. Your your story is awesome. The things that you you are doing now because of the story, you know, we'll probably have a part two of this, you know, I think this was right. maybe part one of a, of a two part series or something because, <laughs> because, you know, the things that you guys are doing now with fueled supplements. And if, if you guys don't know it, um, Josh is the, the vice president of fueled supplements. It's a company him and his, with him and his dad. And, you know, you guys are constantly out there grinding and, and putting out, high quality products and, you know, surrounding yourself with high quality people that are doing awesome things. And, you know, I think, you know, it, it would be great to, to talk about that more in depth at some point, but yes. um, but absolutely uh, until then, man, why don't you, hey. uh, you know, give uh, everybody, you know, where they can follow you and, and follow fueled and, and buy fueled supplements um, before we head out. Absolutely. You know, first, Josh, I just want to say thank you for having me on here. Oh, man. I've seen you conducting these for quite some time. And I was like, man, I, we got to have the J, J squared podcast right. combination. And, and like you said, man, I'd definitely love to hop on here again, maybe have a part two and continue things. And, and, and we could just talk for hours, man. I feel you and I just so we're incredibly like-minded yes. and, and on that same page of life. And, and that's what I love most is like surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals like ourselves that had that same, that same zest for life, that same, that 
that drive and, and that the love for it, love for the game and love for the process. And I'm just incredibly grateful, man, for you to be in my life and to be able to have wrestling and, and the friends I've been through with be our connection together, you know, and grow our relationship over the years. So I just want to say thank you, man. Oh, so, man, my pleasure. And, I feel uh, the same exact way, brother. Thank you. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Follow me on uh, Instagram. I'd love to, to connect with anybody who's listening to this. I'll maybe blasting this across my platform as well. Uh, mogul underscore Morin, which is uh, M-O-G-U-L underscore M-O-R-I-N. And then check out Fueled Supplements. That's F-U-E-L-E-D Supplements. That's our Instagram page. And then FueledSupplements.com is where you can select and pick up some of the highest quality products on the entire market with no BS, no no hype, no no crazy label claims, just straight quality products with straight quality people and the products that deliver results that are going to help you achieve your goals, man. So, yeah, I'm just incredibly grateful for you to have me on here, dude. I'm looking for part two. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. Have a wonderful day. Go keep killing it. Enjoy Montana. Outstanding. Thank you so much, and Merry Christmas to you. You too, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.